House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. We are back on the House of Mystery with Al Warren and Kemp Thompson on KKNW 1150 AM, Seattle. Uh, how are you doing today, Keb? It has been a great day. Real good day. You're too happy too many times. <laughs> I just got a cold. Well, it's, a great, it's a great life. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, so your dog sitting, wonderful. Uh, well, Mama just got home and just took the dog, so we're good to go. Oh, oh, good. So no barking, so, except for yourself. Nope. Well, yeah, <laughs> every once in a while. Okay. Well, well, today we are we I we've got another great guest. We've been really lucking out here, and uh, I'm thrilled to have him. And uh, we'll be talking about his new book, and it's The uh, Horseman of the Apocalypse. And he wrote it with a couple of other people that we've had on the show, Robert Kennedy Jr. and David Talbot. Mm -hmm. uh, now we have Dick Russell. So uh, thank you for taking the time today, Dick. Thanks very much. Good to be with you guys. So, wow, um, you've got quite the uh, book lineup. I love them all. And uh, you've worked with people that we've had on, even Jesse Ventura. Um, what made yep. you? What made you do this one? Like the the Horseman of the Apocalypse. What made you go and do this book in particular? Well, you know, I've been uh, an environmentalist and very concerned about what's going on with our environment for a long time. I've I've written two natural history books. Uh, one on a fight to save a, a fish, the Atlantic striped bass, that I was involved in uh, very heavily back in the '80s because I'm a summer fisherman and. Uh, and then a book called Eye of the Whale about the, the migration of the, the gray whales, the friendly gray whales in Baja, Mexico's Baja Peninsula, that uh, were threatened by an industrial salt works back in uh, the early 2000s, 99. And so I ended up following the migration of these whales and telling the story of all the threats to them as well as their majesty and beauty. And, and I've written about climate change in the past. I was writing about it actually back when it was just called Global Warming back in 1989. So I, I'm familiar with the subject, and you know, I, I just uh, came to feel that uh, it was urgent to, to get something new out that would put a face on the guys who are most responsible uh, for the situation that we're facing, where our planet is, our civilization really is in jeopardy unless we uh, make some big changes and make them fast. Yeah, you know, and and um, I have a a house in Canada, and I go up there a lot. Um, I, I just know that uh, listening to the news and to the science and to the government up there and, and anywhere else I'm, I'm in the world, it's sort of a, a done deal. You know, they, they talk about the issues that we have from global changes and climate, and everybody sort of just does that. But when in the U.S., it's, it's a totally political deal here. There's, there's just no, no science. It's all politics, you know. Yeah. How do how how do we make people in the U.S. realize this? Like what the rest of the world is talking about, and it's not like this. There seems to be a big conspiracy thought, or an, that there's some agenda that it's all about money and politics. But there has to be. There's there's much more to it. Oh, there's a lot more to it, of course, and people everywhere are really starting to see the effects of it. You know, I mean, the hurricanes are stronger. The tornadoes in our country and and pretty soon we're going to be looking at a situation where our, our coast and a, and a lot of people live along the coast in this country 
are going to be really jeopardized by massive sea level rise, and, and people are, are going to have to move inland or you know lose billions of dollars actually, and and so people are starting to see it, and I think you know many many people in the U.S. I mean the majority of people do believe that uh, climate change is is a major problem, but yet you know a lot of people too voted for Donald Trump and. And now he's in power, and he's installed. We can talk about this further, but you know, billionaires uh, right across the spectrum, and people like Scott Pruitt at EPA who don't believe that climate change is even real, and Trump has called it a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. So, you know, the, the people running this country right now are gonna are gonna turn back the clock to way before the the majority of scientists said, hey, this is a real threat, and we got to do something about it. I think you're seeing a lot more people, though, take to the streets. I mean, the, I was I took part in the in the big climate march here in L.A. at the end of March, and uh, we, we all thousands of people marched toward the Tesoro oil refinery, which is uh, going to merge with BP and create you know tons more fossil fuels, bring them out of the ground, and, and add tons more greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. So, and all over the country. I mean, in Washington D.C., there were there were hundreds of thousands of people everywhere. So. You know, the one thing that the Trump administration is doing is, is stirring people into action, I think, in a way that they didn't feel they had to when uh, they were, they were, when Obama was in power and put in the Clean Power Plan and all of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, completely depressed about the situation because I think uh, citizens are getting more active than they were. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not sure what we can do in it other than that because in a case like this where you've got the, uh, you know, Tillerson in as Secretary of State and stuff, when you've got someone that's so involved in oil, yeah, you know, they're not going, you know, it's it's against their interests, so there's, I mean, it is what it is. Well, I, sure, I, I, yeah. I, I just say I, I wouldn't see him doing anything different, because why would he? Exactly, I mean, Tillerson was, he ran, was the CEO of ExxonMobil, you know, for a long, long time. He's been with the company for more than, you know, I think 30, 20, 30 years. So, uh, and he's a guy who was running this company along with his predecessor, Lee Raymond, when Exxon's own scientists were looking into the situation and warning the bosses that, you know, civilization was facing a huge crisis from what they had discovered about how quickly uh, the planet was heating up and uh, these, these changes were happening. So Exxon covered this up. For, for years and years, while at the same time they were funding all these climate uh, denial groups, uh, these so-called nonprofits and and uh, you know shady scientists who were willing for a buck to say that that this wasn't happening, whereas, whereas 90 some percent of the scientists in the world are saying it is, and we got to do something about it quickly. So yeah, now you got Tillerson. Uh, I was I was shocked actually that that uh, Trump went so far as to name this, uh, initially shocked, with this big oil man as, as Secretary of State. But then again, you got to wonder about certain things like the, um, the oil deals with the Russians that are maybe playing into what we're seeing now with, uh, with this scandal that could sink uh, the Trump administration. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. Sure leads to a lot of questions. Uh, I just don't know. Um, so, so what's the direction here? Um, you know, and why do people like, okay, we have um, leaders or people in Senate like Mitch McConnell or Inhofe and stuff, and now they're getting contributions from oil and coal. Yeah. So how is it that they're going to ever do anything different? 
Well, they're not. I mean, those guys aren't. The fact is we got to get rid of those kind of guys. And, uh, you know, people got to go to the polls and, and vote, and, and the education uh, of, of has got to get much stronger about what's what's going on and what what we're facing. So um, yeah, but they're not going to change. I mean, they're they're fully supported by these fossil fuel interests, and it's you know we're talking billions of dollars and people uh, staying in power. So um, yeah, as long as they're in there, uh, forget it. Yeah. Well, you know, and and so what about the conspiracies on the side saying that uh, climate change is just a um, a natural phenomena. That, or just and and there's well, there's a conspiracy with the uh, Alex Jones group saying that it's about money and it's sort of it's fake, right? You know that here's that term, fake news. It's not real, yeah. and that um, they've created it just to make billions of dollars in green energy. You know, this is just crap. I mean. <laughs> there's just no way that this can be true. If you look, if you look around, I mean, only only today there's a there's a story out that you know the Arctic sea ice is melting much fast, much er, a month earlier than than it was supposed than generally has because this is the warmest winter that the Arctic has seen ever. Sixteen of the last seventeen years, we've had record-setting temperatures all over all over the globe. Um, the Antarctic, the the ice sheets there. Are melting, uh, which means that the Thwaites Glacier, for example, which is huge, um, is likely to be melting soon as well in a in a major way. Whereas sea level, and then sea level rise could just escalate dramatically almost overnight. I mean, we could see sea level rise. It's been predicted now between 10 and 13 feet by the beginning of the next century, and or or even much sooner than that. So uh, maybe that's what it's going to take for people to see that. Uh, you know, uh, but, but, but then we're at a point of no return, really. That, and so, um, you know, oceans are rising more than they have since the last ice age. So anybody who thinks this is a natural phenomenon, when you're seeing things that have not happened for literally, you know, thousands or even millions of years in some cases, they just got their head in the sand. So now people are not scientists. Um, what's the best sort of way of <clears throat> explaining this sort of thing? To people that you know, because the average person isn't a scientist, so they watch the news, they hear stuff. What would be the best way to say to someone, um, or explain to someone, what's happening around them and how it is, perhaps some sort of global warming or climate change or something like? How, what's the best way to explain it? Do you think? Well, you know, I don't know. The science is, is I don't know if most people can grasp science. I don't necessarily grasp it all that well myself, but you know the levels of car the carbon dioxide that's being put into the atmosphere because of the consumption of fossil fuels, and also the methane gases that are being released from not from uh, melting of permafrost for one, which is escalating tremendously, and from natural gas, and also from uh, from livestock. You know the the tremendous amounts of livestock that we have in this country creating methane, which is a more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So, you know, it rises into the atmosphere, and, and our, our planet begins to heat up because the, the carbon dioxide gets, gets trapped there. And, and so, you know, that's the basic, you know, science 101, I guess. But, but really, people just have to look around and, and say, gee, did, did we have this kind of, uh, these kind of hurricanes and, and wildfires before? I mean, is this just a natural cycle because there's more people or something? And, 
And uh, what about the spread of insects that we didn't have before, like the Zika virus that, that only thrives in, in hot climates that's coming more and more in, into this country? And, and uh, you know, it, it's just people have got to think beyond today and got to think about the kids and their grandkids and realize that even though we, the older generation, may not live to see uh, the worst effects of this, we won't, um, that we're putting the future generations in, in just terrible jeopardy, and, and we want to take that, you know, take that to our graves? I don't, I don't think so. Well, Dick, can you kind of see where people will come from the angle of conspiracy, though, when you've got Al Gore out there, you know, pitching these carbon credits? Yeah, well, that, I mean, for one thing, the, the oil companies and coal, com coal, the fossil fuel industry has been receiving far bigger subsidies for many, many years, millions and millions of dollars, than are now going to uh, alternative energy companies uh, in solar and wind. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, carbon credits are not really going to do it. you gotta, you got to... You can't really make incremental steps at this point. What we need is somebody in there in government who is going to, you know, not. I mean, we can't stop burning fossil fuels overnight. I'm not. I'm not a luddite. I'm not somebody who's completely unrealistic about this. But we've got to get some kind of Marshall Plan style something in place where we can move toward renewable energy much faster than we are. And the fact is that all over the country. You know, a lot of cities are, have plans to do this, and, and they've set target dates. And, you know, by, by 2025, 2030, that they're going to be using all renewable sources. And, and what the heck's wrong with that? I mean, it's cheaper. We can get energy from the sun. We can get energy from wind and, uh, and geothermal. And, you know, the, our electric bills are going to be lower. It's, a, it's really a win-win all the way around. Well, I, I, I agree. I mean, it would be great if renewable energy was viable and and people are trying it and there is a lot of money being poured into it but it does not seem to produce as promised well i don't think that's true i mean solar energy the job solar jobs now in that industry outnumber coal and oil and gas combined so you know it, it's it, what you have is situations i went to kansas i, I grew up in kansas actually part of my life and went to the University of Kansas and so I went I hadn't been back too much in recent years and I went back to look into the Koch brothers and their empire which is based in Wichita and um, what I found was that you know they had uh, done wind energy was taking off in Kansas I mean under the clean power plan they were more than meeting it because Kansas has a lot of wind so does Texas so does Nebraska I mean Texas is the number one wind wind power state in the country now and they're finding it very profitable and what the Koch brothers did was was go, you know, try, basically uh, pay candidates to, you know, uh, in the, to defeat them in the state legislature, defeat the ones that were supporting the, all the wind uh, credits. So they basically they didn't gut it. I mean, there is still wind energy in Kansas, but it's going a lot slower than it did before. And I, I you know, I couldn't really figure it out because here you got these guys, the Koch brothers, who are the, the biggest, um, you know, private oil company. In the world, a lot of other things they're involved in too, and the richest two men in the world actually worth 48 billion apiece, Charles and David Koch. And I mean, wind energy is not cutting into their profits really. It's it's a it's a weird mindset. It's almost like a, a death wish of some kind. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? <laughs> kind of went off. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, kind kind of. Um, 
you know, like, let, let's look at the scandal that, that Solera had. Yeah. I mean, Solyndra, that, you know, uh, what's that? It's called Solyndra, I think, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I apologize. That's okay. You know, that, that was hopeful, you know. I had hope for that, and then it, that just fell apart. And people were like, wait a minute, you know, who's, who's really benefiting from this? Well, you know, I don't know a whole lot about that particular company and what happened. I know that uh, they, they did, you know, there's a lot of federal government money went into that company and then it didn't make it. But that's uh, that's not the rule. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's, it's an exception. And what you're seeing really is, I mean, even in coal country now, there's, there. I read the other day that there's a lot of jobs that are being uh, created in the solar industry that, that are helping put some of the coal miners back to work. And so, you know, uh, I think these things are seized upon. As, as a way to, to uh, you know, try to do, continue to do business as usual. And so I, I just think it's, you know, that the seizing upon them is more of a conspiracy than anything. Hmm. I, I see that. In certain countries, too, some, like Germany, they've been able to pull off um, solar power quite well. Oh, yeah. I mean, in Europe's way ahead of the United States. I mean, Germany is, as I think, close to 50% renewable energy right now. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's no wonder. I mean, Trump goes over there over the weekend for the G7 summit meeting this past weekend, and, and I, I saw that the, the Chancellor Angela Merkel said today, you know, wow, I think we're just going to have to go our own way because he wouldn't even uh, agree to – I mean, 195 countries have signed on to a, a uh, pact with, you know, to do what they could to reduce uh, their their greenhouse gas emissions, and the U.S. is part of that, and it doesn't go as far as it needs to. Actually, I mean, the clean power plan in this country, which the Trump administration now wants to gut completely, you know, is aimed at, at cutting uh, the emissions from our electrical grid uh, pretty substantially, but not totally, you know, from from fossil fuels by 2030, and. Uh, so, you know, the European countries were outraged that Trump wouldn't even, you know, agree to, to stick with uh, the G7 agreement that they had on, on climate and is talking about this week pulling out of the, the these international accord that was signed in Paris. So, I mean, that really, you know, in terms of diplomacy, no matter how you look at it, that's really a dumb move among many. But um, uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of like holding on to the old times, the old ways, that, and it's, it's sure. really time to, to kind of advance, I think, you know. But Well, I certainly think we better, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, you know, the, the, there's so many studies that have been done. Um, and if you want to talk about kids uh, around the world, they, one UNICEF, I think, came out with a study that 25 million more children will be malnourished by 2030, and 100 million will be facing food insecurity because of all the displacement, millions of people uh, from the increased, you know, floods and and uh, other uh, situations in, in the, the third world, so-called. And, um, you know, more than a billion people are going to be at risk from rising sea levels and floods. And and so we're talking about the future, you know, and, and uh, we're, we're going to look back in another 20 years if we don't do something and and. and regret it deeply as far as uh, our kids certainly will. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be real hard to go up against something like the Koch brothers with their wealth. Um, well, yeah. You know. 
I see that as a problem because they can market what they want constantly. They can, and in fact, you know, if you if you look at the the, the presidential campaign, they did not support Trump. Um, they they seemed like they were distancing themselves from him. But the guy that they uh, had that ended up getting in there as vice president was was Pence, and and Pence was a Koch brothers guy. So once you know, once Trump took over, then you see the Koch brothers' influence because. Uh, Mike Pompeo, who was basically the congressman that they installed in Wichita, um, to, and who was busy doing everything he could to stop uh, renewable energy in Washington D.C., and and suddenly this guy, with no experience really, is running the CIA. Um, that's pretty scary. And then you got Pruitt, who was also was funded by the Koch brothers, um, along with Harold Hamm, who I profile in the book. He's the big fracker in Oklahoma. We can talk about him if you want. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know that Pruitt was was funded by the Cokes, um, his campaigns, and by by Ham, and suddenly you got a guy running the EPA, who was determined when he was Attorney General of Oklahoma to um, to sabotage the EPA. I mean, he he's the one who got all these state attorneys general all over the U.S. to mount a lawsuit against the clean power plan that the EPA is charged with implementing, and now this guy's running it. I mean, you know. <laughs> Talk about conspiracy. Here's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense. You know, it's um, it's crazy actually. Yeah, I was for it before I was against it. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I mean, you got irony. I mean, it's just not even an irony. But uh, one of the Koch brothers, David, uh, was a big. He was on the board of the Smithsonian in D.C. And they even named the the Hall of Human Origins uh, at the Smithsonian. Uh, the David Koch Smithsonian Hall of Human Origins, and and they had an exhibit there. I haven't actually seen it, but I've I've heard about it, where you know their solu- the solution to the to the changing climate was well, if it gets too bad, we're just going to build underground cities, and then people are going to develop short, compact bodies to be able to move around in tight spaces. I mean, <laughs> if this guy really believes what is that forced evolution? Yeah, forced <laughs> evolution. Exactly, exactly. No, it's it's really. Uh, Kind of boggles the mind. Yeah, that's so, just silly. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And so I, I don't know, but um, anyway, yeah. it's it's a. Uh, you would think people would realize that um, no matter <clears throat> what party you want to vote for or what you want to be involved in, that people like that are not out for your best interest. They're out for their own best interest, and that's yeah. really all they care about. Yeah. And. Uh, and it's, it's an ideology as well as a, you know, but it's, basically it's, it's greed and wanting to protect the status quo and believing that uh, technology will solve everything and we're going to be okay. And, um, you know, they got yeah. their heads lodged as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to dream about, but it, uh, we have to make it happen. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I don't know, the bees are dying. There's just so many effects right now. Um, yeah. Now, 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 fracking. When we get into that, that, that that's a really a, a big threat, sort of, to the to the water supply, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and originally, when fracking began, it was a it was a, a technique, hydraulic fracturing, that they were able to be able to bring natural gas up out of the, a very deep holes in the ground, and it and it doesn't release the kind of carbon emissions that oil does or coal. So, you know, Obama was behind it, a 
lots of people were at first, but then it became evident. Uh, there was a, this documentary came out called Gasland a few years ago that showed uh, that the uh, all these chemicals that they were they were pumping into these wells, you know, were contaminating the groundwater. And and in fact, in certain areas, you know, you had people turning on their faucets and and fire was coming out of the, of the faucet. I mean, you, you can see this in the documentary by Josh Fox. It's quite a show and. And, and then what you have happening in Oklahoma, um, where fracking really took off, and thanks to Harold Hamm, who uh, made billions off of this new technology and, and discovered the, the Bakken field in, in uh, shale field in North, in North Dakota, made a fortune off of that. And then what began to happen in Oklahoma um, is that more and more earthquakes started to be triggered. and, and this was a result of the disposal of, of wastewater uh, going into these disposal wells uh, and, and seeping down in there and fracturing the geologic layers that were already pretty fragile. So Oklahoma now has more earthquakes than any other place in the country, and, and they've been getting more and more powerful, uh, up to you know 5.6 at one point, I think they had. So you had this going on, and at the same time, um, you have a situation where, where Ham sits on the board of the University of Oklahoma. Uh, a lot of these big uh, oil guys, oil and gas guys, are on the boards of these universities there. And so Ham sat down with, with the president of the university, David Boren, who used to be a, a U.S. senator, and basically you know, said, hey, your geological survey is showing that our, what our practices are causing this, uh, this increase in earthquakes. So. Uh, you know, I think we got to do something about that. So they, they basically set out to muzzle the Austin Holland, who was the geologist that was coming up with these very scientific studies. Only, I mean, this went on for some years before finally the governor of Oklahoma, Mary Fallon, admitted that, uh, yeah, it looks like um, these, these practices are causing these earthquakes and we're going to have to shut down some of these disposal wells. But, you know, by then an awful lot of people have been affected. And, and uh, so that's another you know, besides the emissions that are happening, which are more than people thought in terms of methane, um, you got this contamination and earthquake issue. Is there, is there any way we could, uh, by stopping doing these things like fracking, that we're going to return to what we were? Do you think it, it can repair itself, or is there an effect that's permanent now? No, I, I don't think it, it doesn't seem to be permanent. I think once they uh, shut down some of the disposal wells, where you don't continue to have uh, these so, this chemical solutions going in there and, and fracturing the, the geological structures, um, they've they've seen an in, a decrease in, in earthquakes in Oklahoma, and certainly they have in other states as well. They have in in Kansas um, and I think in Iowa, Texas was having earth, more earthquakes also, and so you know, yeah. Nature is interesting. I mean, I found years ago uh, during this uh, campaign to save the, the Atlantic striped bass, there were two big threats. One of them was pollution in the Chesapeake Bay, which is where the fish spawned, and uh, the other was overfishing. And so you, there wasn't a whole lot you could do in the short term about the pollution, but um, once the fishing pressure was stopped, and it was all along the coast, the fish made the, the greatest comeback that any fish has ever made. I mean, it's you know now there are millions of striped bass around again, and and, and which supports you know recreational and commercial in, industries, and so you know nature is very resilient if you give it half a chance. Is what, what so I it can. Back in the 
So it can it, it can heal itself. Yeah, but the climate's a bit of a different situation because you know once these these gases go up there into the atmosphere, it takes a while for the the, the results to get to be shown and get worse. And you know we've we've triggered so many now that there's what's called uh, you know I don't know what do you call it, synergistic effects um, mm-hmm. where um, you know, the, the melting of the permafrost in the Arctic is going to release tons more methane that's been buried and therefore contained in the Earth for millions of years, really. And so once that layer of permafrost gets uh, starts to, to melt and release this methane, then you're increasing exponentially the amount of, of uh, carbon, you know, not carbon, but the amount of greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere, and that's going to accelerate this whole problem. And, you know, the ocean is becoming more acidified, so the fish don't have enough oxygen to breathe. The fish need oxygen, um, and because it's, it's, you know, an acidified uh, layer that's, that's permeating more and more. So we're going to see, you know, a loss of a huge part of our food supply unless we do something. And the coral reefs are starting to die and bleach. And so, you know, these one thing triggers another, and and that's the thing that is really scary, and that that people don't quite see yet. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I guess when I got back to Canada last time from Seattle, that was that was what was running on the news. I believe they were showing they were up north, and and any time they cut through the snow or the ice, the methane would come out, and they could have a torch, and it would just blow. Yeah. It was so you crazy. saw that? Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. But you don't really see that on the news in the U.S. That's not. No, you that's don't. That's not on I'm CNN afraid. or Fox or anybody. They don't even talk about. It. They don't show that. And then you just watch the regular news across the border, and they're all. It's the it's the number one story. They're blowing all this fire out of the methane. Yeah. It's just. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know what. You know, the, the news is very obviously daily and sensationally based, and right now really all that's happening is, uh, I mean, the, I was hoping to get the word out more about my, my, my new book, and, and uh, a bunch of media appearances were canceled because the only focus is on Trump and whether he's going to be impeached and, and <laughs> yeah. what he says every day, and, you know, yeah. so that's, that's what's happening, and there's not, nothing to really do about that, but... It certainly um, gives things like climate change uh, short shrift in terms of what they're what they're going to say, except maybe in a, in a quick soundbite. So the emergency is an emergency, but it's not getting uh, getting out there in the way it needs to be. I don't know what you do about that. Just chip away, I guess. Well, well, here here's my frustration, and I'll try to be concise here. You know, like like Al said earlier. Earlier on, uh, I am not a scientist. I only play one on TV. Right. <laughs> and <Not> very well. <laughs> you, now, now you've you've got the science that, that that's out there, and you know Obama made a big deal about saying, "Well, the science is established." You know that, you know greenhouse gases. You know that, that we're slowly destroying the planet, and you know the ice caps are melting. Then you've got this other group over here that is claiming just to be, to be just as scientific, saying, no, this is a natural phenomenon. It happens every so many thousand years. And, you know, you mentioned Gasland. 
And they're like, well, we have evidence that that was, that was fake, that was fraud. Uh, you know, it, so me, as the average Joe, what do I believe? What, what am I supposed to believe? This was a hot summer, had no snow, like, like we normally do in the winter, yet I've got somebody telling me that's a natural phenomena, and somebody over here telling me that this is a global emergency. Yeah, well, the, as I said, the overwhelming majority of science and scientists say, I mean, overwhelming meaning like 98%, say that, you know, we're in an emergency and, and, that, uh, and, and cite all kinds of facts to show it. I mean, so the, what people got to realize is that there are these big companies that have their vested interest in, in continuing to do exactly what they've been doing since uh, the 19th century in some cases. Uh, they're paying people to uh, cast doubt. And so you've got people who get confused. A lot of the public gets confused because, unfortunately, you know, the media also gives as much, you know, they, they, if they have somebody on there who says one thing, it, it, it makes good, good press to, for somebody to say the opposite, and then you get into an argument, and you've got the talking heads doing their thing. So, you know, people don't know quite who to believe. And, but... The reality is that most, almost every legitimate scientist who studied this in the country says one thing, and a handful of people who have a, a louder voice than they should because they're getting millions of dollars to say it um, are getting equal time. Right, now, now, I'm tracking you. I, I, I'm, I'm with you so far, Dick. However, I'm being told by trusted sources that, well, those scientists that are saying that the planet's being destroyed, they're paid too, and it's, it's part of their agenda, and it really has nothing to do with climate. It has to do with control. Well, I just don't buy that for a minute. I mean, you know, then you've got you've to mistrust thousands of people who are saying one thing and, and, and imagine that there's some kind of vast you know, global scientific conspiracy to, to make something up that's going to move us into alternative energy. I mean, it just, you know, come on, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah, um, I agree, but either there's the whole side, I mean, this last election, as well as the whole conspiracy over the last couple of years has been about the mistrust. Because right now, more than half the country does not trust their own intelligence agencies. So, uh, you know, the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security, as soon as they come up with any sort of statement, there's this whole half the country that it's fake news, that it's not real, that, um, and, and, and then even if they sort of believe it, then they turn around and go, well, I'm not going to believe it until you can prove it. So they, they don't even trust their own agencies. Um, yeah, I know. Well, that's the, unfortunately the level we've we've reached is that uh, there's such a huge mistrust of government in general, and uh, you know, and, and there's good reason for that. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, this this is the reality of the country is that people just don't know who to believe anymore, and our politicians have who just take uh, as much money as they can to keep themselves in power have have contributed to that, and so is of course the Supreme Court yes. decision with Citizens United and. And you know, making money the thing that rules everything. So, you know, when when that's the case, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to see uh, see the forest for the trees. You know, I mean, it's it's just uh, 
it's a it's a sad situation. I don't think it's quite half the country. I mean, well, Trump you didn't get half the voices. Kind of vote. But, <laughs> no. but those no. voices speak loudly. You know, no. the heartland okay. is it, does, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, but they did it. With, look what they did with the tobacco industry for years. You know, I mean, uh, when, when they were trying to deny that smoking caused cancer. I mean, they used to say, "Doubt is our product." So if you can cast doubt on on the scientific facts, then you know nothing's going to change. And you know you got you got places these these right right wing think tanks like Heartland, which is funded by the by the Koch brothers, which are now sending these uh, you know things out to because they got tons of money to do it to public schools all over the country trying to cast doubt for, you know, on the, you know put the children in doubt. Oh well, maybe it's happening and maybe it maybe it's not. And and uh, that to me is just you know it's insidious, but yeah. that's what's going on. Yeah. Well, I tend to always. Uh try to look at people that I trust in the uh, science itself before making a decision. So, um, yeah. But that's hard to do in this world. Well, okay. Alex Jones has high-level resources. <laughs> he, yeah, I don't just miss everything Alex Jones says, but I think I did a show once, and, and the guy goes really, you know, quite far in yeah. terms of what he's uh, just to sort of make a make a make a name for himself. I yeah, think. yeah, I'm totally anti Alex, and uh, <laughs> Kevin's a little more pro Alex, but I'm I'm totally. I think he's just uh, the worst showman I've ever seen. He's not even a good actor. So, but yeah, but but look at this. We're talking about him, aren't we? Exactly. We <laughs> about, yeah, here we go. Right. <laughs> we talk about a lot of people, but you know, he is he is a showman. Boy, he gets. He can he can get a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. He can. I, Did you see Colbert's great imitation of him one night? Oh, that was amazing. No, I'm going to look for it now. I'll tell you, because it, it makes me want to cry on the air. So, uh, it, I don't know. It's crazy. I, uh, listen. So, uh, so, keep going. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no. I was going to so, just talk for, for a minute about this. You know, this is, this is sort of a, a, a classic example. I do have this chapter in the book on this uh, public relations guy uh, whose son actually is turned against him and and come out and call him a monster. Uh, his son's a musician, but he's a, he's a public relations wizard, I guess, like, named Richard Berman. And, and um, th there was a tape that was made of him with an audience uh, of, of fossil energy executives a few years ago. It was secretly taped and, and leaked to the New York Times. And he, he would say things like, you know, you can either win dirty or lose pretty. you got to think of this as an endless war. And, uh, you know, he was saying that, um, you know, the tactics um, – you know, you should exploit emotions like fear and greed and anger. You know, anything to diminish the other side's ability to operate. So, you know, he said uh, you, you can't get into people's heads and convince them to do something as easily as you can get into their hearts or into their guts. And so, you know, you get there. You want a video to go viral? He said you have you have kids or animals. I mean, this is the level that it is that, it, that it's at. Uh, you know, so I, that's hard to fight. I mean, it, it's it's difficult. Well, absolutely. We've got them saying never let a good tragedy go to waste. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, again, we're back to the trust issue. You know, I, I, I don't want to destroy the planet. I have children. I, and, you know, I, I, I don't litter. You know, I, I try to recycle. I try to do the reasonable things. And now I'm being told that that's not enough. Well, it's not enough because the individual actions are, are, are not strong enough, unfortunately, because they're just not, to combat 
what the fossil fuel industry is pouring into the atmosphere. So, you know, you, you, it's not that you shouldn't do what you can, because you can, but it's not going to solve the problem uh, until we switch the way we get our energy sources. And, and you know, you've got what, what uh, Exxon was doing, uh, for example, for a long time was, was burying um, alternative, you know, like fossil fuels. You know, they were, I interviewed this guy um, about a fellow named, named Pat Grimes, who used to work for, uh, under Tillerson, actually, at, at Exxon Enterprises, before Tillerson ran the, ran the company. And this guy was a, was a scientist who had introduced the first fuel cell-powered tractor when he was with Alice Chalmers. Um, and he was the first one to explore the possibility of recycling carbon dioxide, recycling it to make fuel. And, and you know, and Exxon was, was taking out all these patents, and they had this guy working for them. Then they ended up just gutting their R and research and development department. They just cut the budgets 90%, like, you know, Trump wants to do now to the EPA. Not that much, but, you know, basically yeah. the same kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, Exxon, it came out last year that their company scientists, they created early versions of the batteries that are now being used to power electric vehicles like, like the Tesla. So they had all this stuff years ago, um, but they, they didn't want to get into it because it wasn't where their bottom line was going to, you know, uh, it would affect their bottom line. So, you know, to me, that's, it's more than hypocrisy. I mean, it's, it's really criminal. I mean, they, they came up with this device to help power electric motors for hybrid cars. Now you've got, you know, the Prius out there. I drive a Prius, which is made by Toyota obviously, but, um, you know, they're the ones that got interested in it because, but it was the first, the first uh, hybrid gas electric uh, car was a, was a, uh, was come up, Exxon engineers came up with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, but they, they didn't want to do it. And now um, we're paying the price. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really a tough one because you need, the greed creates uh, inventions, but it goes too far, doesn't it? What do you mean too far? Well, you know, it's in things like that where they, they don't want to change, and so the bottom oh, yeah. line becomes the important thing more than the big yes, picture. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's just okay. uh, it's it's a depressing conversation, but um, needs to be done. Um, yeah. I Go ahead. I, I was just going to say just something we need to be talking about more and not so much you know, the 24-hour Trump news cycle. We just need to be talking about things that are real like this. We do. And, and also, you know, there are some hopeful signs. I mean, it's not just completely hopeless and depressing. I mean, you've got uh, one of the things I tried to do in the book, and I, I would have had more except I couldn't get a lot of people to talk to me. Um, and, but I, I wanted to look at some of the, the next-generation members of fossil fuel families who really – don't like what's going on and are trying to make a difference. And the big one along those lines is, is the Rockefeller family, which that was Standard Oil, you know, and uh, the predecessor of, of Exxon. And the family still owned a lot of uh, a lot of shares in, in ExxonMobil. And, you know, they have really been out front, a lot of them, their, their Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the Rockefeller Family Fund in, in trying to get uh, shareholder resolutions passed that will force the company to, to uh, take climate change into, into greater consideration. And uh, I interviewed one of the young family members. He's the grandson, actually, of the late 
David Rockefeller, who passed away recently, and uh, and he's out there. You know, he was working hard to develop bioenergy in in Jamaica, a big plant there. He's now working on um, a hemp operation um, in New York. Mm-hmm. So he's a he's a young guy who's you know determined to to make a make a difference. And and there are others like that too. I, I interviewed Catherine Lorenz. I profile her in the book, and she she's the granddaughter of uh, the man who started George Mitchell, who started the hydraulic fracturing back. You know, it seemed like a relatively benign thing to do, and he was actually an environmentalist too. But she's got a She's, she's running the Family Foundation now and really pushing hard for wind energy in, in Texas and elsewhere. Um, you know, doing. She was influenced by her grandfather, actually, who, who wanted to make a difference in the world, too. So, I mean, you know, we're not talking just all evil people. I mean, there are some really good folks out there <clears throat> that, are, that are doing everything they can to for a more sustainable world for the future. Mm-hmm. Who, who do you find, like, when you say people wouldn't talk to you, were the, who was it that wouldn't talk to you about the for, to do the book? Who who wouldn't be interviewed? Or can you say that? Well, certainly the you know the the big uh, moguls themselves wouldn't, um, and then a lot of the the children wouldn't either. They just didn't. You know, I understand that. I mean, they didn't want to be in a position of bashing their own families. And some of them, like uh, Tillerson's kids and uh, the Koch brothers, uh, the son there, you know, they they're going into the same business. I mean, you know. The, Sort of like Jared Kushner, you know. What I mean, it's like they're <laughs> going to stick with it, right? So, uh, and and but some of them just, even though they're much more progressive, like the uh, the daughter of the HL granddaughter of the HL Hunt family, she just didn't want to be in a position to bash her family. I think so. I tried, but I, there were relatively few that I could I could interview. Although there's a there's a new organization I went to this big conference at the United Nations. It's called Nexus, and it's it's for created by and for the children of quote inherited wealth, and um, they are all and there's hundreds of them. They come together uh, at regional meetings, and there's a climate group in L.A. and they're really talking about how they can use their money, uh, their inheritances, to try to do something different than their parents and grandparents have. So, you know, that's that's positive stuff, and and I'm I'm glad to see it happening and hope there's more of it. Were there any interviews that surprised you? Oh, let me think. Um, well, I interviewed people, quite a few people in Oklahoma. I went there to profile Ham, look into Ham, and, um, you know, and I found out that, uh, that that there's been a big crackdown in that state, not just uh, on the geologists, but People who go out and protest, you know, they were getting arrested with very severe charges. That that was kind of a well, I wasn't terribly surprised, but I was, you know, felt, felt like the word should get out about that. And then the guy I mentioned, this uh, fellow who knew about Pat Grimes, the Exxon researcher, and learning how Exxon had buried these um, alternatives for years, that was new information and, and surprising to me. So you know, those, those were a couple. Examples. I tried to get out in the field as much as I could. Um, you know, I went to, I was in Texas. I went to Tillerson's ranch. Actually, this was before he was Secretary of State, and uh, I, I still remember. I pulled up. He's got a big, big horse ranch there outside of Dallas, a little town called Bartonville, and you couldn't get into the ranch, obviously. But I looked over and I saw this this metal globe, and that was you know a carved. Uh, 
globe sitting outside the, the fence around his ranch, and it was it had it had all these pieces cut out of it. It was really kind of amazing, you know, as if he'd taken somebody had taken and carved up the world according to Tillerson's uh, you know game plan. Oh, it just it was so symbolic. I took a picture of it. I didn't put pictures in the book, but you know. And then I noticed that. So I took a picture and I went I went off drove off. And when I came back by the ranch later. There was, of course, a security truck out there to make sure that nobody else like me would show up and, and notice this globe. So, uh, you know, that kind of thing. They're coming to get you now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've seen too much. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, and I went to St. Louis. I went to research the Peabody Energy Company there and their, their CEO and, and interviewed people in coal country who have just been uh, – had so many problems with, with pollution. And the big thing that surprised me there, the CEO is a guy named Greg Boyce, and I had no idea, but, the, again, the hypocrisy of it all. They, you know, they started this, this energy poverty campaign, which also Exxon has gotten into and other companies since. But, they were, you know, they were, they were saying that coal was going to really be a huge factor in bringing people in Africa and in India and Asia out of poverty, and they, they even paid this young woman from China to, who was, had connections to the industry to you know, talk about what coal had done for her family. And, but not a single mention, of course, that um, you know, one-third of all the carbon emissions come from coal, about 11 billion tons a year. And um, so you know, I, I got into the fact that this energy poverty campaign was, was another way to deflect uh, attention from the real problem. Yeah, that's the that's the whole uh, market right now is about um, you know creating attention with something that's really not the subject, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Well. Distraction. Yeah. Uh, now this has been a great conversation. Uh, we're coming Thank to you. the end of the hour. I've really enjoyed it, and um, we we'd love to have yes. you back because we do a lot of um, JFK and uh, on the trail of JFK assassins and the man who knew too much or two books you've done that I'd really like to spend uh, a show talking about. We've had everybody from Roger Stone to Vince Palomara, to you name it, and uh, we'd love to have you on as well in the future date. Well, I'd be glad to do that at some point. I spent many, many years of my life researching the Kennedy assassination, and, and um, I think probably came up with more new material about it than any other journalist in this country. And uh, Do you have thoughts? Have you seen the Burl Bear, the History Channel thing that they're doing right now with Oswald? And Have you seen any of them yet? I have not seen that. I've heard a little about it, and I would like to see it. And I think what they're trying to do uh, is point the finger in the wrong direction um, at, yeah. the, at Cuba and, and the Soviet Union. And I'm not saying there there wasn't a cleverly designed... Uh, plan by the people who really pulled off the assassination to make it look that way. And, of course, you had Oswald who'd been in Russia for two and a half years and, and uh, wanting to get into Cuba. If he actually didn't get into Cuba, I think he might have. Um, so, you know, they were, they were definitely trying to make it look, a group of people were trying to make it look like, uh, like those folks had done it. And, um, but, you know, everything I've seen um, indicates the opposite, that it was a right-wing cabal not a huge one but definitely people who uh who were out to for their own interests to uh to get rid of kennedy and castro yeah. at the same 
Now, it's my understanding that it was Ted Cruz's father. <laughs> right, I saw that. <laughs> well, I never yeah. heard that one, and I, I looked into the Cuban exile community quite a bit. So, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I Ted was there. Cruz's father, and Ted Cruz was the Zodiac, so come on. His family, yeah. <laughs> right. they, they were busy. Oh, they had lots to do. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it was just Kennedy. It would have been his hundredth birthday. That's just an amazing. I didn't really. I know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just, well. Yeah. What a difference. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, but that was a different world, and and um, you know, and had Kennedy not been president, I think at that time, um, had Nixon been in there instead, we might not be talking today because I think the Cuban Missile Crisis could have well resulted in an apocalyptic uh, end game for the for a civilization. So. Yeah. You know, I think he would, and then of course the, the, one of the big reasons that he was he was assassinated was that he he did agree uh, to take our missiles out of Turkey and and not to invade Cuba, and there were people in power that didn't like that. Yeah, and I miss our our radical liberals of those days in the seventies, you know, in the sixties. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well we need we need some strong liberals. We, out we do need them. I mean, look what they were able to do. You know, yeah. even the ones in in the Congress, like Senator Frank Church and Senator Richard Schweiker. I mean, these guys were willing to look into the CIA and who who really killed Kennedy and put yeah. things on the record that we otherwise would never know about. I mean, who would know about uh, the MK Ultra program where the CIA was out to control exactly. human behavior with all these experiments yeah. and hypnosis and LSD and all that in the 50s. We wouldn't know any of that if we hadn't had the kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, we uh, got strong. And still time. do. Yeah, and we, need, we need the Black Panthers back, man. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to get into a big argument. Yeah. I, I like doing that. Well, again, this has been great. And our guest today has been Dick Russell from his new book, The Horseman. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.